Hey guys, I'm Megan Pistetto. Welcome to another episode of So Dramatic, a very special episode of So Dramatic. I have a huge interview for you guys today, and it is by far the most explosive, honest, and raw interview I have ever done that will make you view reality TV in a very different light. It is with season eight Married at First Sight intruder bride Jamie Gardner, who has bravely broken her contract to speak to So Dramatic about her experience. During her time on the show, Jamie was portrayed as a stuck-up princess, a bridezilla, and she was even labelled Beck 2.0 when she wed her TV husband, Chris Jensen. However, the Jamie we saw on screens was not an accurate representation of the real Jamie. And her tumultuous time on the show was even more tumultuous than we've been led to believe. In this interview, Jamie lifts the lid on Married at First Sight, exposing the dark underbelly of the show and the brutal reality of reality TV. Jamie reveals the shocking truth about what really happened between her and Chris during their short-lived marriage and the disturbing sequence of events that led to their abrupt exit from the show that producers went to extreme lengths to cover up. Jamie also details the disturbing treatment she received from both Chris and producers during filming as her cries for help were simply ignored despite expressing that she felt unsafe and fearful. Jamie also reveals how she felt when she found out that her TV husband had been charged with a number of serious federal charges and that he'd been out on bail when they wed on national TV. During this eye-opening tell-all, Jamie also opens up about the everlasting effect her time on Married at First Sight has had on her. Because this interview is quite long, I have decided to split it into a two-part series, but trust me, you will be hanging on to Jamie's every word. I did not want to deprive you guys of any of the details of her story because it is an extremely important one that needs to be told and told in full. If things are ever going to improve for contestants on reality TV and if societal views surrounding domestic violence and the treatment of victims and women is ever going to change. Content warning, this episode does discuss domestic violence, suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and depression. If any of these topics are triggering for you, I do advise not listening to this episode. And if you or anyone you know needs assistance, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. So much drama, so little time. Let's get into the show. Do not fight amongst yourselves. Please come to me. So will you confirm or deny? At least you're honest with me. So exclusive. So I have intruder bride from Married at First Sight, Jamie Gardner, in the studio with me. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. A little bit nervous. Can you just briefly explain why you're doing this interview and why you're wanting to speak out? So I think for me, it's been, you know, I not only had a really challenging experience on the show, but uh, watching it back and I guess experiencing the backlash that I have from the Australian public has been really tough um, and not being able to speak out about it you know, has kind of added an extra layer of stress for me. So 
I think this is pretty important to helping me be able to move on from the experience. Because you were portrayed, I mean, you got a fairly brutal edit in terms of you were called stuck up, a bridezilla, and there was a lot of backlash, like a lot of outrage about your character on the show. And we haven't really heard much from you since. Did you have an opportunity to do any media? No. So I haven't had any chance to do to speak to media at all. Um, and so I really felt, you know, quite silenced after the experience. Um, you know, I've done a few little things on my mm. Instagram once I've got that back, but it's, yeah, it's not like telling the tr- this real story that I experienced. What was your experience like? Can you tell us a little bit about how you felt doing the show and what went on? Yeah. So my experience like was just completely chaotic from day one. You know, if this happened in the real world, I don't think that any woman would stand for it. You know, I feel like I've, you know, been expertly mismatched. And, you know, I felt, um, you know, an intense pressure to constantly expose the differences between Chris and I from the day that I met him. Um, And, you know, I've never been more fearful in the presence of, you know, a supposed partner in my life. Wow. And, you know, I guess as a result of that, I've kind of spoken out about a few things, but there's obviously just been, you know, a deep, deep anxiety that I've, I've been going through. Um, you know, after filming and then obviously after the airing. And, you know, I've talked about the fact that I experienced Bell's palsy on the right-hand side of my face the day after leaving the show, which I think was, you know, my body's way of releasing all the stress Mm. that I've been hanging on to during filming and trying to, I guess, maintain some composure. You know, obviously a growing psychologist, Bill. Um, (laughs) So uh, the show does offer some support, but, um, you know, I've felt what's best for me is to kind of seek that externally. How many times are you seeing the psychologist? I'm seeing him weekly at the moment. Yeah, I probably need to up it, but, you know, it also costs money to kind of maintain your mental health. So I'm obviously putting a lot of pressure on friends and family and, um, and those types of things to kind of up the level of support at the moment. I think, you know, obviously since airing, it's just been all the hate and like the humiliation and that's, you know, that's what I've experienced, but it's also what my friends and family have had to cop as well. You know, I've had friends and family getting trolled by complete strangers that believe what they see on TV. And so that's been really tough for them as well to have to try and defend me when they know the truth. So your friends that appeared on the show or people that were defending you in the comments then were attacked? Basically anyone on my Instagram. So like anyone that's been tagged in historical oh photos. What is yeah, wrong with like I've had trolls go back and attack friends in Melbourne that are oh in photos God. from six Six are they like, how am longer. I getting dragged into this? Yeah. Yeah. And most of them didn't want to tell me to begin with because they didn't want to like Stress add to the out. burden. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's the trolling really is really disgusting. next level, which I've seen online, like the comments on articles about you. And even when I posted stuff about you on my Instagram, it was even though it was pro you and it was like, this isn't what happened. It was still just horrible, horrible yeah. hate comments. So like even today, I think I got a, you know, you deserve to get your head bashed in. So, I mean, I can sit here and be like, they don't know me and they don't know the truth. So I can manage, but there has, there is obviously a level where you, you know, reading that kind of horrible stuff impacts you, at a, you know, on a subconscious level. I definitely think. And if you read so many every day, like constantly, it does actually affect you after a while. For sure. Like I felt after the seeing the first and probably the second episode, walking down the street, I was scared of people. Like there was a guy walking towards me who, you know, didn't look like my husband, but, <laughs> um, but you know, was a bit tall and, and probably had like a sleeve of tats or something. And I was actually, I rang my mom and I'm like, I'm scared. Like, like what, having a yeah. panic attack or something, like Ooh. a PTSD trigger or something like yeah. that. 
Yeah. <laughs> Take a break. That was really scary though when that happened. It's like the anxiety and like, mm. you would have PTSD, I think, after going through that. Probably. <sighs> you can do it. Yeah, no, I gotta know I can. It's just that, like literally, it's really um uncomfortable. When I saw that guy and I felt scared. Anyway. <sighs> Let's change topics a little bit. We'll get into the heavier stuff later on. I don't want to no, upset okay. you straight off the bat. <laughs> How did you end up on the show? Uh, I got a message on Instagram. So I think it was like one of their producers just doing a bit of a headhunt through socials, which I don't know why they found me. I'm just posting pictures of my dog and, you know, going out and eating food. It's pretty standard, I think. Maybe because you've got those like batchy friends and reality star friends. Maybe they just went through yeah, who I they were friends with. I don't know. I don't even, I don't I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they were just looking for a certain type of person and I fit the bill. Um, but yeah, I got a message and it was like, are you over a certain age? Are you single? Um, would you consider getting married on TV? And so I was like, well, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. And yeah, it just went like a whirlwind since then. I heard that you said on Instagram that it was three days before the wedding you got contacted. So I got contacted right? on, I think I replied to them on a Sunday. I was interviewed on the Monday, um, just a phone call and then a, a follow-up Skype. And then on, on the Tuesday they were like, yep, like we want you. And so I'd said to work, you know, this is something that's come up. I think I was at a point in my life where, you know, I'd been through some shit last year, like everyone, you know, COVID, I'd moved to Sydney, I'd moved house, I'd done all of these different things. I had a relationship end, which was, you know, pretty hard. And I was, you know, things were starting to pick up. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe this is like the right next step for me. Work said yes. And yeah, basically as soon as I said yes, to the show, they were like, all right, well, you're getting married in a week. Write your a speeches. Week. Yeah, oh write speeches, God. find a dress, do all of these in different a week. things. Yeah. So you had your fittings yeah. and gave notice to work in a, in a week. You're yeah. married. But it's interesting in hindsight, like in the one of the initial interviews, you know, I was asked, you know, would you consider someone that's married? And I was like, well, there had been, obviously, that's not currently married, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's been married before. And I was like, you know, that's fine if they've kind of dealt with that before would you consider someone that's you know a FIFO what is it what would that mean and I was like well you know I'm not I'm not opposed to it so I just want to understand how that would work in a relationship and then the third question and these weren't all obviously layered in in this way but then yeah would you date someone that's had kids and I'm like I definitely wouldn't shut someone out because I've got kids so but then obviously upon meeting my husband it was Chris that they were talking about and it was rolling all of those three into one. So do you think they had already chosen him and they needed to find someone to match with him? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I didn't realise that at the time, but obviously I've had a lot of time to think about, you know, what has happened. And then I was like, okay. Did he say to you when he had been cast, did he have a week's notice as well? Or had I he don't had longer? I so. I, it seemed as though he had longer. But yeah, we, I don't know. We didn't really talk too much about that. Did you have any reservations about, obviously you've seen what's happened in previous years. You've got friends on reality TV. Did any doubts cross your mind like about I shouldn't be doing this or 
Yeah, I mean, of course, like you'd be crazy to go on. I mean, you'd be crazy to go on TV and marry a stranger, (laughs) right? That would be my usual response. But, you know, they were really reassuring that, you know, based on what had happened in the last few seasons, which I hadn't actually watched, that they wanted to get back to kind of season six, Cam and Jules. (laughs) They were really about finding, you know, true love matches this season. And, you know, that was really emphasised through all the interviews that I had. So... And, you know, I don't know if it's that I'm in marketing, but I'm like, yeah, you've really damaged your brand. Um, so I, I guess I had an understanding that what they were saying in trying to repair the the image was true and it just wasn't. Talk me through the wedding day. Let me go through some of the stuff that happened that we saw. So we saw you saying something about Chris's dyslexia, criticising his Queensland haircut and the nose ring, saying that he's not your usual type. You usually go for selfish, entrepreneurial (laughs) type of guys. And Chris was a FIFO. Can you explain your version of like what happened and the story behind those comments? I think in watching it back, I was probably just as shocked as the people that were watching you know, with us. Definitely for me on the wedding day, you know, there's things that I did say. So, you know, coming down the aisle when I said, oh, oh, the hair, (laughs) I meant it because, you know, he hadn't yet turned around. And first impressions are exactly that. You see someone, you're like, oh, my God. But, you know, a haircut doesn't make a person. So the fact that that kind of got turned into this big storyline is, yeah, ridiculous. You know, as soon as he turned around and I saw his, you know, big blue eyes and beautiful smile. Like I, you know, I I relaxed into it. I was like, oh, okay. He seems like a really nice guy. And for me, the wedding day was actually really nice. So, you know, the interactions between Chris and I were lovely. During his vows, when he did stumble a little bit, like I held his hand the whole time and I was like, do you know what? It's okay. Like he kept apologizing. I'm like, you don't have to apologize. Like take your time. I was completely supportive. Um, but you know, none of that got, (laughs) yeah, none of that got shown. And then I guess they pull you away quite quickly after you, you first meet. And I felt like instantly I felt so much pressure to call out, you know, the differences between us and, you know, what I might not like about him. So the comment about the nose ring, you know, that was something that I got asked and I'm like, yeah, I'm not a nose ring kind of girl. But I also said to Chris later that day, cause he'd said to me, you know, I thought about taking my nose ring out. And I said, I'm so glad you didn't because I want, I want to see you for who you are, not for someone that you're trying to be. When you say pressure, do you mean you were pressured to say those things because they were the questions that producers were asking you? Yeah, constantly asked, how is he different? Why is he different to your exes? What do you think about the nose ring? Yeah, what do you think about the nose ring? And then they've made it appear that you just came out and said, I hate the nose ring. Yeah, I I honestly said nothing bad about Chris on the wedding day at all. And I think that, you know, I felt like the producers were pissed at me for not saying enough and not causing enough drama. So they prompted you to say certain things, I guess? Well, they asked questions, you know, that's what they do. They ask questions in a certain way to then be able to frame it differently. So, yeah, when I said I'm not a nose ring kind of girl but you know that's fine and I'm glad he could be how he is you know it's easy to cut that to I'm not a nose ring kind of girl right yeah and what about the haircut comment 
So their, their haircut drives me mad. Do you know how much trolling I've had about <laughs> Queensland haircuts? I'm scared to ever go to Queensland again. Like, it you is just shocking. No, Chris said to me, he's like, um, yeah, it's a thing up in Queensland because, you know, we must have had a conversation about it. And he's like, yeah, it's a thing in Queensland. Everyone's got them up here. So that's why it kind of became the Queensland haircut that I referred to. Oh, so you didn't know it was called a Queensland haircut? Well, I don't know if it is a called a Queensland haircut. So that came from him. Yeah, he's like, everyone. Everyone has a que- like everyone has that haircut where I'm from. So I was like, oh, okay, it's the Queensland. So that was haircut. a joke between you guys prior, and then they'd asked you about it, and you said, oh, the Queensland haircut, yeah. referring to an in joke that you guys had. Yeah, like I always oh said God. it jokingly, like you know, he's got a Queensland haircut. I thought you like coined that term because no. I was like, I've never heard of Queensland haircut before. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think I had a barber message me about you know having someone come in and ask for a Queensland haircut. And I'm like, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! But it so seems s- like he hasn't kept it, so he obviously didn't like it too so much. So stuff like that basically just sound bited and taken out of context. Yeah, there was so much about the hair, and like you know, we can talk about it more. But you know that I think they played a scene at the at the on our honeymoon where we talked about we'd just been out in the vineyard. And we'd had a really nice day actually that day and we'd gone and walked through the vineyard and finally talked to each other about, you know, our ambitions and what we want in life and all these different things. And we got down the end and what didn't get played on our wedding day was that we did a really nice wedding dance with a big dip. So in the vineyard, again, going back to the honeymoon, we did a dip. And so as we're walking back, I was like, I'll fix your hair for you. But the way that they played that was just me being a bitch, being like, I'm just going to fix your hair again. Oh, okay. It's, so what, during the dance, his hair got ruined and you fixed yeah, it? Yeah. And- like it was a windy day, just done a dip in the vineyard. And so I fixed his hair for him. I'm like, I was honestly trying to be a good wife. But they've made it as if you want to change the hairstyle. Yeah. I mean, editing. It's so... <laughs> I I never knew it could be so good because honestly, I... They're wizards. You know, you're always... I don't know if everyone's always mindful of of what you do say and how you can impact others, but, like, I I genuinely was. And obviously I've slipped up a few times. I'm not going to act like I'm innocent, but, yeah... I didn't know the extent to which they could chop and change things. No, and, you know, to be honest, I I referred to a few of those differences a few times because if I was going to speak about what the real differences were, I, I knew their intentions and what they were, you know, how they were going to position <laughs> me. So. so that was you being mindful about the fact that you were on camera and that you were being recorded. Imagine if you weren't being mindful what they would have done with you. I know. Like if that's you being like not well behaved, but obviously mindful about the cameras, imagine if you were just being yourself, what they could do with your words and actions, how they could snip that, you know, it's scary. It's crazy. Cause you think I've had a lot of people come out of the show and say, um, no, I'm fine. I was really good. I didn't do anything. I didn't slip up. Like I was, I'm going to be come off really good. And then it airs and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. How did they, so even people that think that like the hand washing thing, we'll get to that on the honeymoon, but like the cameras weren't rolling. And I know that that's naive of me to think that the cameras are ever turned off. Oh, they told you that the cameras were off. No, they weren't filming. Like the crew weren't around nothing. So what like, do they say to you? Okay, we're on now. And then they give you breaks where they're like, oh, we're not shooting. So it's literally yeah. like a scene. Yeah, like well, we went to the scene. bathroom. Take one. He went to the bathroom. So I was like, all right, we'll wait until he's back from the bathroom. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about <laughs> that. <laughs> what? So what actually happened with the hand washing incident? Uh, the hand washing for me was really, I guess, a confronting moment to watch back on TV because obviously it came across terribly but like there was 
I was genuinely having a joke with him. So we'd spent the day doing a tasting at the winery. We'd probably had plenty of wine. So we did like a wine and a chocolate pairing. And so we'd had a really good day. Like that first day of our honeymoon was good. So you were getting along. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they hated it because, you know, there's no storyline in people that get along. Right. So were you thinking, oh, he could actually be the guy for me at any point? Yeah. I mean, there are obvious differences, which I was constantly asked to call out. But, you know, I went into the experiment being like, you know, it might might not be the what I currently consider the right guy for me. But, you know, that. I truly believed that they would have matched me for the right reasons and people can probably hear that and think, you naive idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, I genuinely did. So going back to the the hand-washing thing, he came back from the toilet and so I was like, you didn't wash your hands. I get that my tone clearly doesn't come across, but, you know, what would have been really nice is if they'd played, I think, a little bit more of my intro and my interaction with my friends and the way that we, you know, banter. Ba- banter and, you know, make jokes like that and have a lot of sarcasm in the way that we speak. But, yeah, when Chris sat down on the couch and kind of like I knew in the way that he responded that he didn't get it or that he didn't see like he didn't see the humour in that. It just and there were many times kind of in the two days before where I'd make a joke and he just he'd be like, I don't understand or I don't get it. And so I was kind of feeling like at that point when he sat down, he was like, oh, my God, I knew I knew how that was going to come across. So I cracked the shits like and I think my in, response was not great. Because I think in the exchange you were kind of like, oh, that's gross or dirty grot or something like that. Yeah. So when he reacted like that, were you taken aback by what he, how he reacted or? It was more when he sat down and he was like, oh, my God. And I, I knew straight away how this was going to go. And I was like, fine, let me smell them. And what you can't see on camera, like my hair covers my face. So I was like, fine, let me smell them. You were laughing. You know, like I'm being a little shit. We've had a day with on the wines. Like flirting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm really shit at flirting. <laughs> um, obviously, when he's like, didn't, sh- you know, if, if that was me and someone said, let me smell your hands, I would shove my hands in their face and be like, smell them. And he didn't. And so obviously then my response to that wasn't great. But yeah, in, in watching that scene back, it's it's quite confronting. Do you regret saying that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I could have handled things differently. And I think it came across that that there was a disconnect in the way that we were speaking because I think, you know, I was like, I'm not talking about anything else. And so there's, there's lots of disconnects in that scene. But, of course, like I just there's a balance of being able to be myself and then having to change myself because someone doesn't understand or have the same way of communicating. So, yes, I wish I could have handled it better, but does that mean that we would have been any better for each other? I don't think so. I think it was very clear that you had different ways of communicating. Do you know, interestingly, though, we went on. So that scene, honestly, for the two of us, was such a nothing. So like, oh, so you didn't have a we never we didn't have it. a fight that happened, and we went on to have apparently, according to the producers, one of the best honesty boxes <laughs> he's ever seen in all seasons that he's been on the show. So what happened after that scene when it cut? It seemed like it ended quite abruptly, and you're both pissed off. What happened after that? We no. immediately after. Did you just go on continue? Yeah, talking? we just did the like we did the rest of the honesty box. We had a great time chatting about you know kids and what we wanted in our lives. Like it was actually a really good session that we both were able to communicate. Um, So he wasn't offended? No, no. 
that's why when that played, I was like, what the hell is this? Because it was a nothing on the day. Because obviously, you know, what I experienced after was definitely a something, but that was nothing. And you probably have a good idea in your mind about what scenes they're going to play, what scenes were big things, what scenes were little things. So you didn't yeah. even think that that was even an issue. No, I was really excited to see our honesty box because I knew how well it went. And, you know, the feedback from from producers was like, you guys are incredibly good. And so, so I think they obviously found, you know, I guess the one thing that could make us look bad. It obviously didn't fit the storyline that they had planned for you guys then, I guess. No, not at all. Our honesty box was actually so good. What you didn't see, Chris actually gave me a diamond necklace. So they edited out the entire scene. So, you know, if this hand washing scene was such a big deal and, and you know, it caused such a rift between us, kind of doesn't make sense that he then gave me a diamond necklace that he brought into the show. And gave it to me at the end of our at the end of our honesty box. So after the hand washing incident, you did the honesty box, and then he gave the diamond necklace. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't shown. No, because it would have actually shown that we weren't fighting. <laughs> it's crazy. They just chop out like such big moments. Yeah, and you know, Chris was really keen on that. He talked about it for like a day or two beforehand. You know that he had this gift for me, and he wanted to you know look like a good guy and be the good guy. And, you know, I'm sure for him, he's probably annoyed that that scene got cut out, right? Because it's, Mm. you know, something that he'd come in wanting to do to look like a good guy. So then that night, like, were you guys ever intimate? No. No. But then that night, like, did it end romantically? Like, was there ever a romantic connection? We definitely, like, were having a good day. On our honeymoon night, we didn't share a bed. So they didn't kind of show any of that either. Um, I, I asked to sleep in separate rooms and just, you know, wanted to take my time getting to know him because I actually felt really disturbed after the wedding night. You know, having spent all day being absolutely heckled on why is he different, how is he different to your exes, all of these different questions, I was like, is this how I'm meant to feel on my wedding night already, like day one? It was weird. So, no, we weren't – like we'd come home from the wedding night and like stayed up for probably two or three hours after the crew left. And, yeah, we had a bit of a pash (laughs) – (laughs) Um, and talked about our families. We actually rang my mum and dad. We FaceTimed them. Yeah, and I introduced them to their new (laughs) son-in-law at the time. Um, So, yeah, completely what what got shown was very different from the reality. So you were – there was moments where you were getting along really well. Yeah, and our day on – that first day on the honeymoon was really nice. Like we came back from the winery, we had dinner, yeah. Things were okay. And you were still sleeping in separate rooms during the honeymoon? No. During the oh. honeymoon, we um, there was just one suite. So we had like the honeymoon suite. You know, I made a joke to Chris when we walked into the room, you know, there was one bed and a chase lounge. And I was like, Chris, that's your bed. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, we shared a bed. I was um, going to say he's very tall. I don't know if he would have fit on the <laughs> No, he wouldn't. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they'll probably play that and make me look like a bitch. But no, I was having a joke. Um, so yeah, we shared to bed but I definitely was probably taking things a little bit slower Mm. and did you feel like pressure to share the bed like or you were fine to do that at that point there wasn't really a discussion about whether there was no not really no so there in where we were staying um all the other rooms were taken by crew (laughs) so you know when it got to a point where I probably would have wanted a separate room it's not like there was one there so so even if you wanted a separate room like if something massive had happened on the honeymoon what do they expect you to do I don't know 
I don't know. You should at least have – because I know with the Meriden Suites, if you at any time want a separate room, they're pretty good about giving you one, right? Yeah. I'm sure that they could have worked something out, but it wasn't – yeah. It wasn't something that was discussed when it needed to be. So then what happened after that night? Was there anything else, like any other incidents that happened on the honeymoon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many days was the honeymoon? Uh, I think it was three. Three days. So wow, the day that we time. travel and then three days. Right. It's really intense as well. So for me, I felt like – I'd gone from this environment, you know, where there's lots of people around. Obviously, the wedding's a bit a bit wild and it's, there's so many people and friends and, and those types of things. But, yeah, the honeymoon, it was a, an all-male crew, which for me made me a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, it kind of felt like I was part of a boys' club um, and so didn't really one, have anyone to talk to. Not one female producer? No. Shouldn't every female contestant have access to a female producer? I mean, it would be nice, yeah. I felt I felt like I was part of a boys club and so I yeah well not part I felt like I was the side wheel to a boys club because if something happened you wouldn't probably feel comfortable speaking to a male yeah all the time especially the guys that you've just met I know I wouldn't well when something did happen there were a few people that worked at the wineries so two I don't want to get them in trouble but um yeah two of the ladies at the winery were told not to talk to me and to stay away from me what do you mean when the producers knew that I was upset why were you upset? Let's get into that then. What happened that made you upset on the honeymoon? So this is what, day two? Day two. Right. Yeah. So wedding, honeymoon, day one. Oh, I wanted to also say how like on the couch he um, like he got leaned really aggressive to, to you and leaned in. Yeah. So I think like at the time, you know, so many people have written to me and I don't know if it's since you shared it, someone shared it on social media, the time where he leaned into me after the hand washing incident and I didn't notice it at the time, but definitely watching it back, you know, his behaviour or the way that he leaned into me was quite intimidating. And, you know, I think like watching it, I kind of raised my hand up as well. So maybe subconsciously I kind of noticed that that made me uncomfortable. I rewatched that scene today and I noticed when he leaned into you, you actually leaned back Mm. quite quickly. When I shared, I think it was when I shared a snippet from the podcast about how that scene wasn't as it was or something, or just about how he was aggressive. Someone messaged me and they were like, oh, let me read it out. It says, red flag for me in regards to Chris and Jamie is when they're on the couch after his non-washing of his hands, they have a vocal to and fro. Watch his body language on the couch. It's disturbing. I'm no body language expert, but that bit of the footage was triggering for me as I'm sure others will see it too on the playback. And I went and watched it and I was like, oh my God, yes. I feel like with Chris... We were all very excited because we were like, he's a good like looking guy. A yeah. Hot guy. We're like, yay, after weeks of watching Bryce. <laughs> like, finally, I can do that. I think we were all blinded by the signs because looking back at all the scenes today when I was re watching stuff, I was like, wow, all of the signs were there. It was pretty clear, like, with things that he said and his body language, it was quite aggressive. And I feel like no one really picked up on it at the time. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't that day either. But, you know, going back to our room that night, you know, we had some pretty interesting conversations about, you know, his past with his family and his, you know, experiences and relationships. And I guess for me, what he told me really raised some red flags. So I didn't see it straight away, but yeah, when he kind of opened up about a few things, it kind of became clear that he's had very different experiences in life and in relationships than I ever have. What did he say? Um, You know, I've, I've, I feel bad talking about it because it's not my story to tell, right? But, you know, I think 
in his childhood there were things that weren't great. So he talked about his relationship with his father and how his father treated him. And he talked to me about his um, his past relationship and actually told me a story about um, – I feel bad. <laughs> you know, that one time his, uh, his ex-partner or his ex-wife, I'm not sure who it was, you know, shattered a shower screen over him. And wow. for me I was – I was kind of like, okay, as a woman, what does it take to get to that point to react like in that way so violently? What had the situation been for someone to do that to him? Well, surely, I mean, I don't know because I've never experienced anything like this, but for me, what it would take for me to ever behave in that way, like I couldn't imagine. Mm. Um, so obviously something had happened before with them or they'd had some sort of argument at least. Something. Well, she'd felt fearful. I'm, so that he told that story to you and you were immediately like, shit, that's nothing like I've ever experienced in a relationship. Yeah. Or not a, someone, not a situation you want to be involved in, I guess. No, definitely not. But, you know, it was, it was I guess, talked about in a way that he was the victim in that situation. So, you know, I was like, that's so horrible. And, you know, I'm sorry that you went through that. But, yeah, that was kind of the night after our honesty box. And we, you know, I guess kept being honest. Um, but, it, yeah, I guess made me a little bit concerned about his past. And was there any other alarm bells that went off in things that he'd said about his past? Um, Look, there are a few like, you know, silly things at the wedding that made me feel like he wasn't being completely honest, but not enough that I was like, this is a huge red flag at that point in time. Yeah. What else happened on the honeymoon that kind of set off this, I guess, like... When uh, the story turned. Yeah, when, it, when things started to go pear-shaped between you guys. Because we, you're kind of saying that the honeymoon was quite good and then back in Sydney it was like all hell had broken loose. So what had happened between the honeymoon and Sydney, I guess? Yeah, so hell broke loose on the honeymoon. So day two, the morning of day one, we'd woken up and had like a really big breakfast that the accommodation put on and it was like full of bread and sweets and all these different things. And I'm not a big breakfast person. Not that that's an important part of the story. (laughs) Um, Good to know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't like breakfast. Um, But, you know, the next day we knew that breakfast was off camera. So I just said, you know, I I wanted something really simple and light. Like I usually just have, you know, an egg and avocado, which, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get known as the egg and avocado (laughs) girl. We then got told kind of after um, shooting our our wake up scenes that we had 30 minutes to get ready. So 30 minutes to get ready for our, our scheduled activity. And I had to have a shower, do my hair and do my makeup. And, you know, I'm not sure everyone, I don't know what you're like getting ready. <laughs> I'd need like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm pretty good generally. Um, but even 30 minutes was, you know, a tight Especially schedule. Especially when you're going to be on camera. Like you want to put in that extra effort if the whole country's going to see I you. know, which I could have done better in hindsight, like watching it. But yeah, I'd, I'd kind of said, okay, well, I'm skipping breakfast this morning because I'm prioritizing trying to make myself look respectable on TV. And so I had a shower, I put my dress on and I was kind of in, in the dressing room of our accommodation, you know, getting ready and doing my, my makeup and my hair. Uh, and Chris came in and he made me a full breakfast. So he'd been with the producers, he'd come back with, you know, bacon, eggs, mushroom, toast, all of these different things, which, you know, in any, in any normal circumstance, you'd be like, thanks so much, honey. But I was like, thank you so much. But I just don't, I don't have time. Like I'm trying to get ready. And so 
you know, I guess I talked about on the couch, you know, maybe maybe that offended him, but I, I wasn't trying to. And I would think that any guy that's been in a relationship with a girl or that's <laughs> under time pressure should maybe un- be a little bit understanding. I'm not sure. So he was like, all right, well, I'm going to go back and help the producers wash the dishes. And I just kind of was like, well, by then, I'm like, you've got five minutes to get ready. Like, why don't you just spend five minutes? Like, your your job here. <laughs> not the dish hand. <laughs> no, I'm like, you're not here to help the producers do the dishes. Like, just spend five minutes getting ready. And, uh, like, the response I got to that. Uh, and obviously, I'm, I'm standing in a room and there's no mics and there's no cameras because it's just us. He kind of turned around. He would have been like a metre away from me, this, you know, six foot three, I think he is, guy, and turned around and was like, don't you ever fucking speak to me like that again. And he's like, I've had people try and fucking control me in the past, and I hate saying fucking. <laughs> um, he's like, I've had people try and control me in the fucking past. Don't you ever fucking do that to me again. And he turned around and he slammed the door and he walked out. And I, like, even thinking about that just disturbs me so much. Mm. And so I literally sat there shaking for, like, like five minutes. You're, like, now, recalling it. So because you'd said you didn't want breakfast and told him just chill for five minutes, he reacted aggressively, had an aggressive tantrum, basically. Yeah, like I was somehow trying to control him. Yeah, His, his, his reaction from... You know, he could have said, Jamie, I want to go and do the dishes or, okay, maybe you're right or whatever his response might have been. But to go from zero to like mm. 1,000 in Nothing. level of aggression, like I was I was terrified. And so I, I got my diary cam out and I like recorded a video because I was like, I just need to like, firstly, I've got no one Vent. to speak to. And yeah, and I like held the camera shaking, like my hand was literally shaking and I'm glad they didn't play it because I probably looked disgusting. But like, so do they have that footage? Do you have a copy of it? Like, how does it work? Do you have these video phones that you hand in and you don't get a copy of the footage? Uh, you know, I wish I'd sent it to my phone Yeah. at the time. Um, I know previous contestants have done that. Yeah, but I didn't. And you know, going back to uh, – there's so many mistakes that I made during filming that you don't think are mistakes mm. at the time, but I can come back to it later. But I um, – you know, the day – as the day kind of went on and eventually later that night when I did speak to Chris, you know, I was always really mindful of the fact that he had young kids. And so, you know, he talked about the fact that they might watch the show or that they're at school and he was concerned about, you know, what might be said about him to his children. And so I – didn't want to give them ammo to make him look but like that's not your fault like that's not your responsibility it's he chose to go on the show he should have probably not got on the show then yeah i mean like it's not personality fault his bad behavior (laughs) yeah i like honestly i think i probably i went into that experiment and it's probably something i do in all relationships is that i think about the other person more than i think about myself and I think, you know, I don't know, maybe a lot of, I don't know if a lot of women are guilty of it, but I definitely have been in the past of putting other people before I, before myself. So you didn't want to speak up because you would feel guilty that if, you know, he came off looking bad and his kids suffered as a result, like you would feel that was your fault. Yeah. Like that's horrible. I would never want to do that to someone. And so, you know, I left the room and, you know, went out and got mic'd and, um, and, you know, was in front of the cameras. And I think, before we got on the plate, before we got on the helicopter, 
you know, I tried to just say to him, can we just like let that slide or whatever it is? Because I don't like holding grudges. Like it makes me uncomfortable. And Chris was very like his energy was so angry and and he turned around to me and he's like if you weren't such a fucking bitch oh my god and so from that moment on I was like okay like I can't I can't even talk to you can't even bring this up and sort it out no and so like on the helicopter I think they played you know a scene of me getting sleep out of his eye and so somehow I'm a bitch about that as well but I was like I was trying to keep face after just being screamed at and, you know, I shouldn't care whether he's got sleep in his eye. I should have just left him. But I was also, again, trying to be, you know, concerned about him. Break the ice, I guess. Yeah. What he's going to look like on TV. Like, I shouldn't have given a shit at that point in time. Mm. But I guess that's a lot of people, a lot of women do that. They like protect their abuser because they're worried about how they would be portrayed or their reputation kind of thing. And they feel guilty of speaking out against it, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't know him that well. So I didn't want to say too much, like too soon. But as soon as we got back from the helicopter, Chris went to the cellar to do something and I I can't remember I'm not sure if microphones were off or not but as soon as I had some time away from him and I was alone like I absolutely broke down to the producer and just said you know this happened this morning and I am terrified and you know I was bawling my eyes out and I'm just like I can't I didn't sign up to this show to put myself in an abusive relationship. Like I've never done this in the past. I've never, it's not something that, you know, I would ever, obviously no one seeks out an abusive relationship, Mm. but I didn't sign up for an experiment where I'm put with someone who's aggressive. Especially when you go on a TV show thinking it's going to be magical. Oh, I went to find love. Like, and I know that sounds Amazing experience of like not real life kind of thing. And you get paired with someone who's being aggressive to you on day two. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, in a relationship, sure, you can have arguments and things blow up when you, you know, you know someone and they, you know, get under your skin or whatever it is. I've known this guy for two days and he's screamed at me in that way. Like, I, I honestly didn't know how to handle it. And so the producer's advice was, well, we've got to get that on camera. His behaviour or your reaction? You've got to have a conversation on camera. And so I was like, okay. So I think like we had lunch and they went and did a, you know, a voice to camera with Chris. And, you know, I guess it's my my assumption of what really went on. But when Chris came back, for this conversation that we were that where I was meant to confront him about his behavior that morning you know he'd been I guess fed words to confront me with saying that I was picking on him and not accepting him for who he was which was completely false so what you think they gave him a heads up that you were going to say xyz and they to fit the storyline said can you when she says this to you say make sure you say that yeah Chris told me later that night he'd been produced he told you yeah yeah. What did he say? So I think he in in when he confronted me, he said, you know, you're picking on my clothes, you're picking on my hair. Um, the two conversations that we'd had about his clothes and his hair were with the producer and they were led by the producer. So we talked about the fact that he was wearing branded clothing and contractually you're actually not supposed mm. to. So that was a conversation with the producer that we'd had all together And then the conversation about his hair was when he got out of the shower, I think on that first morning, we were like, your hair looks so much, you know, so much hotter when it's, you know, a bit more natural. They were the two conversations that we had. And so 
after he'd confronted me in that scene where he, you know, said, you're not accepting me later on that night because I barred him that day. I was like, I cannot believe that you've just said that about me to like on camera and you know it's completely false. And he apologised that later that night and said, I'm sorry, I've been produced and you know, I want to I want to stay on long enough so that I can right my wrongs because I've said the wrong thing about you. So he obviously regretted listening to the producers then. Yeah. And I think, you know, we would often talk about, you know, what was said between us and the producers. And, and I thought we were having a really open and honest relationship. And, you know, I was there for him and for us the entire time. So, yeah, when he did that, like I actually couldn't believe that he did that. But then, yeah, as time went on, I think that he just kind of fell into the hands of the script rather than being real. So he was almost became like a puppet for their storyline. Yeah. Where he was going to be the good guy and they wanted you to be this stuck up villain, I guess. Yeah. And he was so concerned the entire time that they were going to make him look like the bad guy. So he said the entire time they were talking about, you're so intimidating, you're so this, you're so that. And so he very much had it on his agenda to be the good guy. So they're almost coaching him during, saying, don't be so aggressive, don't be so intimidating. Well, I don't know. I think they maybe they wanted either way, right? Because either way is drama. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously the the storyline was better with me being a bitch. (laughs) So when you went to producers and what did you actually say to them? Like, I'm scared or? Yeah. So I told them I was fearful um, and, you know, that... I guess, like I said, I just broke down and and cried about, you know, the fact that I didn't come in here to be in this relationship. And then the only time that I was ever asked after Chris and and my conversation where I had no chance to actually talk about his behaviour that morning, yeah, the only time I was ever asked if I was uh, okay to continue and to share a room with him was on camera and on mic. I think I even laughed to them and said, are you doing this for legal reasons? Because... Obviously, if I'm mic'd up and I'm on camera and I'm not Mm. wanting to say the wrong thing because of his kids, how honest can I really be right now in this position? Mm. And if if I was only thinking about myself, then sure, like I'm sure other people would just let it go and go ham, but I didn't want to. Like I didn't want to do that to people. We mostly were good, which is why they didn't show anything of us um, because we were being so good together. Like kind of, I think, guess for me, even after the shit experience on the honeymoon, he'd, he'd said sorry, right? And so I was like, okay, someone can fuck up once. I've told him I was fearful. I've told the producers I was fearful. And so I kind of had to believe that maybe once setting boundaries with everyone that, you know, we could move on from that because everyone's going to have a shit experience sometimes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this dinner party and be committed because that's what I came here for. And we had a reasonably um, okay experience until sort of later in the night where Chris got pulled into a room and got yelled at for not being, um, not saying enough. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I think they wanted Chris to come into the dinner party and cause a bit of drama. Cause drama. I think that's why they sat him next to Mel and Bryce. Right. He was really quiet. He really didn't say much, did he? And that was the night, I think, when everything blew up with the secret girlfriend. So there was you would have felt like yeah. coming into that, even if you were a loud person, there's not really much you can say. You don't know these people. You don't know what's going on. You're kind of newbies. Yeah. Well, I think the storyline is that he you know, would stand up for women and that maybe that would trigger something for him. But yeah, he, he definitely didn't say anything. And then he kind of came back to me and said, you know, I've just been 
screamed at by the producers to for not speaking enough <laughs> and I got told not to speak. I wasn't allowed because I was too oh I was too rational about it all. Like I think at one point Chris came out and started saying stuff and I looked at him and I said, is that what you really think? And the producer told me to shut up. So when this dinner party is being filmed, because obviously for us it looks like there's no interruptions, what do they actually interrupt the dinner party and say, can you redo that? Or you shouldn't have said that or stop talking. Do they yell things out at you or do they come over? Like, how does it work? I've We're constantly wondered. told to stop talking. Because um. you know what I mean? When you're watching it, it looks like it's just one night. They've just filmed it in sequence. Is it not like that at all? Is it like broken up into scenes? How does it? Uh, no, I mean, it's not scripted, right? So everything that happens is real. I mean, as far as as far as I know, because I was only there yeah, for, for one. sort of one or two. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I know, it's not scripted. Obviously, they there's certain people that they'll speak to. Like, I think James came back at one point and asked me quite a specific question about work, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Does the producer come over and tap him on the shoulder? You go in and out. Like, okay. you kind of leave the room and you come back. Do you have earpieces? Like, how do they? No, they'll just come and get you. Yeah. And so we need to talk to you, brief them a yeah. little bit, go back. Yeah. Okay, because I think I heard Beck saying something like she was told we're not going to end this dinner party till you confront Bryce about the secret girlfriend. You're not going home. So they would have pulled her aside, Probably. briefed her and said, you need to bring up these things and then go back. And Maybe. Yeah, interesting. So they pulled him aside. Pulled him aside and just said, you're not doing what we want you to do. And yeah. And then when I when he came back and he's like, Jamie, I've just got to speak. I have to do this. <laughs> And he started, you know, talking about Bryce and talking about Mel. And I and I was like, is this what you really think? Like, we'd just come in from our honeymoon. We didn't know anyone. <laughs> so we're coming into this completely fresh. I'm like, and then, yeah, I just got told I, I wasn't allowed to speak anymore. And how did that feel? Like, what was going through your head when they said that? Well, I mean, obviously, I just kind of went, okay, well, this is not real. And I should be able to speak. Like, <laughs> you've got me here for a reason. Um, what am I here for like what am I here for honestly that's the question is clearly to fill a storyline that wasn't part of that so it's so controlled to the point where they're actually feeding you lines and telling you when you can and can't speak yeah maybe not feeding lines but definitely yeah a controlled environment yeah it's not just a dinner party like everyone thinks it is and was there any drama between you guys that night or did that kind of go all no yeah that first dinner party will fine and I think you know I was trying to to move on from the experience we had on our honeymoon and you know I'd spoken to him about it I'd spoken you know production knew about it and I just kind of went if I have to be willing to accept what happened and he is genuinely sorry and he means what he says so that night was okay yeah and then the next night was the first commitment ceremony. Yeah. What happened there? Because you guys kind of looked like everything was fine. You know, it was like, okay, you're up. Things are fine. That's it. It was quite short. It was so awkward. For and you me. wrote stay, right? Yeah. You, you both wrote stay. Yeah. You were asked to write down what you're doing like earlier in the day. Um, and so we'd spent the morning together. It had been, again, quite nice. But there's an element of me kind of wanting to keep the peace because – I'd already seen that if I didn't, what happens? Um, so you felt like you're walking on eggshells. Completely. And um, you have to actually have to write down what, whether you're going to stay or leave earlier in the day. So you both get separated. Um, I went and spent some time with the girls, which kind of got aired when I was talking to Kerry and Georgia. And I wrote stay. But I wrote stay because Chris 
had said to me that he wanted to right his wrongs and that he'd said the wrong thing about me on camera. I know that that's stupid for me to also want him to do that, but I knew that what he'd said about me was wrong and, you know, if there was a chance that that could be rectified, I wanted it to be. So you trusted that he was sorry, that he wanted to give it another shot basically. Yeah. And, you know, everyone can make mistakes. So I was kind of, yeah, willing to to keep going. But um, coming into that ceremony and when we were sitting on the couch, because, you know, it's a long night. And What time do you start? Because I've seen <laughs> you guys leaving in the car and it looks like it's in the morning. Yeah. What time do you leave? <laughs> Very early in the morning. What, like <laughs> nine o'clock? No, not that early. Like 11. No. <laughs> uh, it's just a really long day. So we what leave. time? <laughs> Why can't you say? <laughs> I know. I know. I've said everything. What else. is it earlier? So I'll I'll tell you my story. So I think we sat on the couch about two thirty a.m. No, but I mean, what time do you leave to go? Ah, uh, lunchtime. Okay, that's right. Yeah. I mean. yeah, I was like, why can't you say? What yeah, time? <laughs> no, you'll feel you and film your good mornings, so they'll still come around in the morning, right? And then it's just a day of getting ready, and then all of those sorts of things. Twelve ish, you go off and do the meeting with the girls. Yeah, and then by like what the afternoon, you're in that room. With yeah, the kind of. I can't. Time. I can't remember to and be then honest. You're there till two thirty. It's a really long day, and um, we, you know, Chris was really uncomfortable. So he was kind of sitting there quite stressed and, you know, I think at one point he said to me, you know, I'm not as smart as everybody in this room. You know, I was really trying to be supportive of him and like hold his hand and be like, don't worry, like we're going to be okay. Things are going to be okay. And then when we sat on the couch and I finally felt like I was in an environment where I could possibly speak about my experience or what had happened. We started to, so the experts asked us and I kind of opened up and said, yeah, we had a bit of a, a bit of a disagreement, you know, trying to play it down. And we talked about it a little bit because, you know, our session on the couch probably went for an hour. What you see is five minutes or less. Wow. Um, so you have a full like therapy session and then they just play a snippet. Yeah. And so again, you know, I was asked all of these, you know, the usual questions, how are you different? How are you this? And they played the bit where I said, oh, Chris is a FIFO. And I kind of explained what fly in, fly out is because, you know, I was like, maybe not everyone knows. I don't know. <laughs> trying to be. <laughs> well, you didn't know. I was trying to help. <laughs> Um, but you know, what I ended that sentence with is, I don't know what that means for a relationship. You know, I've never dated someone where they're here for two weeks and then they're gone. But all you saw was me saying, oh, here's a FIFO. And you know, like there's so much about that couch session that they didn't play. I think they played a point where I interrupted him and I was like, can I jump in? And that's because Chris had tried to talk for about 10 minutes about what our differences were and it it wasn't really making any sense like he said I'm into fitness and she doesn't do anything which is <laughs> which is completely false so I just kind of said oh can I jump in and so I talked about the obvious things you know he lives in Queensland I live in Sydney he's got two kids I wanted that for the you know if I could for the first time with someone so you were trying to articulate what he was saying? Trying, yeah. And pointing out why maybe on the outside it's not going to be the best Yeah, fit. it's going to be really challenging. But Being going, realistic, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, th- that's what I thought this whole thing was about, right? Being honest. Because <laughs> he lives in, what, Queensland? He does, yeah. So you would be really hard. You wouldn't get to spend much time. No. And, like, how do you how do you build a relationship like that? Like, that's a real challenge. That's not me being 
you know, not interested or some snobby person, but I want someone that I can actually have a relationship with Mm. that's in my life. So to me, they were just realities that kind of got flipped. But going back to talking about, you know, the aggression on the, on the honeymoon, I kind of got to a point where we were talking about it and I, I sat there and I, it was on the tip of my tongue because Chris went to brush off kind of that conversation and move on to something else. And I, I was sitting there just dying to be like, hang on a second, Chris, can we talk about the way that you're aggressive on the honeymoon? Because I thought if I actually say that in front of the experts and in front of everyone else on Witnesses. the show, they couldn't not say it. But then in the back of my mind, I'm also like, it's 2.30 in the morning. I have to go back and share a room with this guy. Do I just bury it? And hope that he's, you know, he's truthful in saying that, you know, he's sorry and all of this sort of stuff. Or do I risk going home and experiencing that behavior again? You're sounding like, like almost like a battered wife, like scared of what he would do to you if you spoke out against him. Well, of course. Or being left alone with him. Look, look at how he reacted to me saying, spend five minutes getting ready. <laughs> And then, you know, what he told me about his past. So I'm like, well, clearly things can escalate. So am I better protecting myself or am I better speaking out? So at that point, you were genuinely fearful about what he would do if you confronted him. We left that night and we barely spoke. I think he sent me a text that, I think it was that night, he sent me a text being like, you know, I've been thinking about kissing you all day and tasting you on my lips. And I got that message and I was just like, how are you so disconnected from from how I'm really feeling? And we didn't speak. I had a shower and went to bed. And the next morning I kind of got up early and, and went for a walk and called my family and started talking about how I was really feeling. What did you say to your family? Like I'm feeling unsafe or what yeah. was the conversation? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I'd called uh, my good friend on the honeymoon and had a chat to him about the experience straight after. Um, but yeah, when I called my sister and my brother-in-law that next morning, I just talked about everything that had gone on. And, you know, they it was good to have that conversation and that support where they kind of said, you know, that I, I guess validating how I was feeling and that I didn't come in here to be put in this type of environment. Mm. And if from what I'd already experienced and seen, it wasn't going to end positively, then I should be looking out for myself. And so I think it was, you know, the advice that I needed that I couldn't give to myself in that this is a situation that you just need to leave. So that night you had to sleep in the same bed as him? Yeah. Were you scared? Like what was going through your mind? I like, honestly, that's why I just kind of had a shower, went to bed. He probably, he had a shower after me. And by the time he came back, I just pretended I was asleep. So I didn't have to deal with it. I guess it would have been quite late as well. Yeah. It was like three, three thirty in the morning by then. So I was pretty tired anyway. And then the next day after that had happened, what happened next? So the next morning, like I'd had that conversation with my, my sister and my brother-in-law and I came back from my walk And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to have a conversation with Chris and tell him how I'm feeling. And, you know, not, I guess, two different things. So one one is that obviously pointing out the differences that we do have, which I guess I'd been hounded to continually talk about all the time, but I'd I'd given myself some time to really think think about it. Um, And so I just said to him, I'm like, like I said earlier, you're from Queensland. You've got two girls. You're not going to move. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to move to Queensland either. And I said, if I'm honest, Chris, you know, there's lots of 
there's lots of things that don't feel quite right. So like we don't have things in common. We don't have any hobbies in common. The conversation isn't easy. You know, going back to the fact that when, you know, I try and have banter and Mm. a joke, he doesn't, it's not on the same communication wavelength as him. I mean, you can tell, well, I can anyway, within five minutes of meeting someone, if I'm into them or not, you know, you've just got that connection or you don't. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I get along with a lot of different people. So I found it really, really strange. Like I've never had that in my life where I'm, and you know, obviously I've never married a stranger either, but where you literally have nothing really hard in common, like nothing. Like not even not even being able to communicate. So you bringing this up to him, you're basically just being very realistic about, look, it's not going to work. Yeah, well, I was trying to be. And, and, you know, and I said to him, I was like, do you know what? Like maybe it's because we've been under a lot of pressure because getting married, going on a honeymoon and coming straight into a, a dinner party and a ceremony is really full on. Like that doesn't always happen. Mm. And so I said to him, maybe we'll take some pressure off this week because we'd both written stay anyway. So I was like, let's take some of this pressure off and try and just have fun together. And if if in a week's time nothing develops, then we can both be comfortable that we tried and we'll both write leave. Like that was the conversation. And he was fine with that? What was what was his no. response? No, he blew up. Really? So it was over that. That's quite like a civil request. Yeah. And I'm actually, you know, in looking in, in watching the show back, it's really disappointing because it seems like these conversations are quite normal for other couples to be able to have. You know, I watched Beth and Russell have a conversation where Beth was just like, I'm just not that into it. And Russell was like, that's OK. I understand, you know, having this kind of adult one on one conversation. And when I said that to Chris, he just exploded. So he, you know, started storming around the apartment and throwing things into his bag and you know it was that aggressive energy again that I'd experienced on the honeymoon you know I said to him I'm like I understand I've upset you please you know don't storm out because you know on the honeymoon he'd stormed out and I said can you just stay and sit down for five minutes and have a think about what I've said I said we don't have to talk like just please sit down and when you're ready we can have a conversation and yeah that just didn't happen so he continued to pack up his stuff and just stormed out again. Is that what we saw on camera when he stormed out? Or is this all off camera? This is all off camera. So this is separate to the storm out we saw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is all off camera. So that, yeah. Again, Um, it's always when the cameras aren't rolling, right? And what was going through your mind at that point? Like, were you scared? (sighs) Yeah. So that's when I messaged producers and I just said, like, I'm fearful. I think I said, I don't feel safe. And when we go to the next hotel, because we were moving hotels that day, I just said, I want a separate room. And what did they say to you? They didn't reply for about, I don't know, an hour and a half, enough time to capture the next scene. (laughs) Which was? When we got to the new hotel. Right. Okay. Yeah. So So they had a heads up about what was going on. They didn't respond to you. They let you move into the same room, even though they had got your request that you didn't want to go into the same room as him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So no response to that text? Mm, no, not for not for a decent amount of time anyway, which, you know, usually they were quite responsive. So I definitely felt alone. And, you know, I the only time that we were then around a producer was when Chris was there, so I didn't feel like I could say something. When they did reply, what did they say in that message? Uh, they said, so what actually happened is we filmed, we got to the hotel room, so the new hotel, and they obviously filmed that there was some definite... Um, tension between us because it seemed like we were missing a big chunk you know it was like all of a sudden you're moving in and it was like it was on yeah so the filming during like when we walked through reception 
all of Chris's comments were voiceovers. None of it was anything that he ever said to camera. And, you know, the fact that the, I guess the show narration supported that apparently I asked him to fake it. Mm. Like watching that back, I was so mad because we walked into that hotel room and Chris walked over to, you know, cameras rolling. Chris walked over to the, our wedding photo, which is, you know, put on your bedside table and looked at it lovingly. And I, I thought to myself, why are you looking at this photo <laughs> lovingly when you have just yelled at me again and you're not talking to me? But they didn't show that either, right? Because I said that later to camera and they just didn't show it. Just thinking, what the hell is going on? Like cameras are rolling and you're going to try and pretend that we're okay again. And I think, you know, the producers asked and I think they aired it, you know, what's going on, guys, to when Chris just turned on me and was accusing me of, you know, asking him to not be so nice because it made me look like a bitch and kind of accusing me of all these different things. So, you know, he'd written me a letter on the honeymoon. He accused me of hiding it. He accused me of not wearing my necklace that he'd given me. There was, you know, it was just on. This is what we saw on the camera, right? Kind of. Okay, yeah, we you saw, saw a bit of it. Saw some of it. But honestly, the level of his behavior was not shown at all. Like what got shown was, yeah, a guy that's had his feelings hurt and is a little bit angry. What I experienced was like, holy shit. What do you mean? Like we got a watered down version of the Like he was yelling at me. Like yelling at me. Swearing and yelling or just yelling? Yeah, like, you know, just making – You know, just his – kind of what they – I don't know if they showed any of the times where it was like, you were fucking this, you are fucking – you know, I don't know if they showed that. I don't remember seeing that. Okay. But I did have a lot of contestants. (laughs) Probably not PG. Um, Your friend got in touch with me and said, you know, this isn't – because I was – we were being quite favourable to Chris um, on Twitter when we were watching. I think everyone was like, this bitch is being horrible to him. Um, and someone actually replied to me saying, you have no idea, like, this isn't what really happened. And so I started speaking to them. And then I reached out to some other contestants I was speaking to. And, you know, I said, what, what happened with Jamie and Chris? Like, what's going on? I'm getting all of these people message me saying that it's not what's what we're being shown. And they all said that that day that you left, they could hear Chris yelling abuse at you from their rooms down the corridor. Someone on another, another level, I even think. Mm. said they could hear him yelling and they were like he was really abusive to her but none of it was shown yeah like when he first stormed out he was I mean he stormed out twice that day but he three times (laughs) um but yeah he was screaming down the hallways so when I went back to reunion that's all everyone asked me about like like, what was that yelling about yeah because that's all everyone could hear Obviously, I was just trying to really maintain myself in that process because I was I knew what he was saying was absolute shit, but I didn't want to have to stoop into that kind of argument about he said, she said. So I like I thought it was just better to say as little as I could. I definitely, you know, I'm proud of myself for the time where I did stand up for myself. And I said, you know, I won't. I think I said I won't. I don't appreciate your behavior and I won't accept it and like I'm so I'm stupidly I'm grateful that they played that because for me that was a moment that I actually stood up for myself Mm. yeah like the one time but I guess they didn't play it in its entirety they've cut it out and made it a kind of bitchy moment I think not like a powerful woman standing up to herself I guess yeah I guess I mean I because I guess because I was in the experience I know what it was so for me it you were glad yeah. yeah Like I was grateful that that got aired, but sure, I'm sure most people didn't actually see it for what it was. So during this heated argument, I guess, what else was happening? Did he come back into the room after he stormed out? 
So he stormed out and um, that's when I got the text um, to say that someone was coming to talk to me. Um, and then The response we'll- to the text you'd sent saying you were fearful. Yeah, yeah. And so then uh, we were separated, which, you know, I was grateful for because, again, I don't want to be in that environment. Like it's mm. toxic and it's, you know, you're basically – in that environment with a stranger. I just like, it's so hard to comprehend. Yeah. Like scary. You don't know him. You don't know what he's capable of. Like different if it's some like a long-term partner and you're having a fight and you're stuck in a hotel room on holidays, but complete stranger basically. Yeah, exactly. So I had a conversation with producers um, and basically just broke down about everything that had gone on. And I guess the result of that conversation was, well, we don't have a storyline. So because I'd tried to have that, I guess, what I thought was a reasonable conversation with Chris in the morning off camera, they didn't have footage of him when he yelled at me. So they said, well, you're going to have to go back in and film the rest of the scene so that we have a storyline that you can exit the show on. Because I guess it wouldn't make sense for the audience to show stuff that had happened off camera, which is a big issue on the show because even in previous years, big things have happened off camera and it's been really hard for them to involve it in the show, incorporate it into the show. And I think even when cheating scandals have happened off camera, they're like, well, we can't address it because we don't have evidence. It doesn't match up. But yeah, and so surely there's a way they can do a narration of like, you know, yesterday there was a big fight. Like they can fill us in the in well, like the narration the was that Jamie asked Chris to fake it, right? That was the so narrative. they can narrate that, but they can't narrate the actual truth. So mm. it's really just a, in a matter of not fitting their storyline. Yeah, definitely. So we went back into the room. You know, Chris came in just the same way that he'd left, and I kind of I was really mindful again in hindsight, stupidly. Um, or maybe not, I'm not sure, but of just maintaining myself and the way that I was willing to communicate with him. So, you know, I tried to be really fair in the way that I was speaking. I didn't raise my voice ever. I said one thing which I would probably regret, which is, you know, it wasn't even it wasn't even bad. I think I said to him at one point I tried to raise his behavior on the honeymoon and he, he laughed at me and he said, oh, what are you going to try and make me look like the aggressive, intimidating guy now? And I just said, well, I'm sorry, Chris, but like that's the behavior I experienced on the honeymoon. And like, and he said, he laughed at me. He said, if you think this is anger, you don't know anger. Wow. Yeah. And so again, I just kind of sat there and said, I'm sorry, but I don't ever want to experience that in any relationship if you're my friend if you are my partner like I don't ever want to experience that level of aggression from anyone and he just kind of like you know shook it off that's almost like a threat Mm. like you haven't seen me at my worst yet you better be careful that's how I would interpret that yeah well he told me once he's like I've got two personalities one when I'm happy and one when I'm not and so again you know I've got so many examples that probably you know, I'm not covering today, but that was another red flag for me. Why have you got two personalities? Like, I'm sure that everyone can be angry and not, mm. not their best self, but he's like, I just want to be the happy version of myself on this show. So he's admitting that he's got a dark side or a not so nice side, I guess. And he's being very careful to only display the nice side. Yeah. So he actually said to you, you haven't seen me angry yet, despite having those quite extreme outbursts of aggression and intimidation towards you. Yeah. Well, he said, if you think this is anger, you don't know anger. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously I don't 
How were you feeling when that when he said that? Like, were you scared of like shit? What is he capable of? I was honestly in shock, and like it still shocks me now. Like, what does that statement mm. even mean? Mm. Like, like why say that? You know, what do you get out of saying that? It's I think it's to scare you or intimidate you. It is, and I guess it kind of worked. Yeah, and I still tried to not say anything bad about him after that. Mm. Like, and why? Like, just because of the kids, or yeah, like you know, I I was still trying to be fair to him and to his family and. You know, I think mostly in those end scenes, I kind of just said, you know, obviously the we've been matched for, you know, the wrong reasons and I don't want to say it's your fault or mine, but this is the reality. So I was still trying to be just diplomatic. Yeah. And what else would I, if I'd have got, if I'd have got angry or emotional in that situation, then like, then what would happen? He was still yelling at me with full camera crew and on mic. Like they didn't show it. So they've got this footage... On camera. Yeah. I wonder if they've deleted it. (laughs) They probably will after this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just shocked that like they've plain and simple put you in a dangerous situation and you've voiced concerns that you're fearful, that you feel unsafe and it's just been ignored. Yeah. So nothing was done by production after that to keep you safe. They basically said um, there's no point in us staying on if we stay in separate rooms. I was asked if it was recoverable and I said, based on the behaviour that I've seen at the honeymoon and what I've experienced this morning, I'm not interested. And so they were like, well, you've got to leave then. Yeah. And so I got sent in a cab and just sent home. After the outburst scene that we saw go down. Yeah. Well, they just shove you in a cab. Yeah. (laughs) Leaders. Yeah. That's brutal. And then you don't hear from them again. Well, the next day I had publicity. So I had to be up at seven and back to do publicity what do you mean publicity so because we were intruders we hadn't kind of had all the publicity photography done so us in our wedding dresses and all of that sort of stuff so what that was the following day they kick you out in a cab and they say but you've got to be back here at seven to do your publicity yeah I guess we weren't meant to be in a cab right we were just meant to be continuing the experiment but yeah after all the showdown uh because I don't know if it's because I live in Sydney like obviously Chris stayed at the hotel um, but yeah, I just went home. So Chris stayed in that hotel room. Yeah, as far as I know. <laughs> so they've made out like he's, he's walked out on you, but he's actually stayed there. Oh my God. Yeah. So the next day you both do publicity together or separate? They kept us separate after that, which was like the one saving grace, really. Because I, I, like, I don't think that they could put us back together after that. And how were you feeling that day? I was super stressed um, because I think... Uh, going through that experiment and spending the entire time trying to hold on to, um, I guess, trying to push through what I was feeling and the things that I'd experienced and trying to be like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, accepting behaviors that I wouldn't normally accept or being in situations where normally you can walk away, but you can't Mm. really took its toll. So I, um, in, I was getting my hair and makeup done and I've talked about this, like on my Instagram, but two of the girls came in, so two of the other brides. And, um, you know, the makeup artists were being so lovely to me. They're like, you know, I'm talking myself up, but they're like, you know, you're so kind and you seem so humble. Like I'm surprised this has happened to you. And so I was talking to the other brides about my experience on the honeymoon and and what had really gone on because it was the first time that I could actually share with them what had happened. And so I'm sitting there looking 
kind of okay for what I think myself with my makeup done. And um, yeah, half my face completely paralyzed. That day. Yeah. So she was doing my hair and I was talking to the girls about it. And I hope it doesn't happen talking about it now. But yeah, my entire side of my face like pulled up, like right up my face and my eye went a little bit funny and I I sat there and I was crying. I was obviously crying anyway, but then this happened. And um, yeah, and I, I sat there and I, and I just, I've had friends, like family friends that have had Bell's palsy before and, you know, crying through my face, which was now looking really deformed. I, I just kind of said to them, I'm like, does stress bring on Bell's palsy? And they were like, yeah, it can. And so everyone was around me, you know, trying to calm me down and be like, Jamie, it's okay. All of this stuff. But I think all of the, all of the stress and all of the energy of what I'd just been through was just like pouring out. Mm, Your body's like reaction to it. Yeah. It was like an out of body experience. And so I can kind of talk about it now, but it was, it is undoubtedly the, the most disturbing moment of my life. If, if I think back and I like it, like I don't want to get <laughs> okay, you're making me cry. <laughs> oh, it's like, no, no. take your time. I, um, if I could go back to that version of myself that day, take and like, time. yeah. I just think if I could go back to that version of myself that day and like hug her and be like, you're so brave for putting up with what I put up with. Yeah. To come out, I guess, to come out of it on the other side, you're looking back thinking like, how did I actually get through that? Yeah. Like I actually don't know how I did. I don't know how I did. And I've been through things in my life, yeah? Like I'm not I'm not perfect and I haven't had this amazing life where I haven't experienced like loss or, you know, traumatic breakups or whatever it might be. But this was, yeah, on a level that is completely different that it actually physically affected my body that was outside mm-hmm. of my control. Like that's really scary to lose control of your body. So here you are in this situation where I guess you don't have any control anyway because you're not safe. You don't feel protected. You, um, what did you say? <laughs> I don't need to blow my nose. I'm going to oh, snort in the, <laughs> the mic. Warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, let, let's focus. If you would like to continue listening to my chat with Jamie, head over now to episode 68 for part two. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my god. So dramatic with Megan Pacetto.